For the rest of you, would you open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John and chapter 8. We are going to be in a a really amazing passage here this morning. Um, They're all amazing passages, but this one has really uh, taken some time for me to digest in the last few weeks, actually, as I've been looking forward to this morning. We'll be going through verses 12 to 30. I'll read them in just a moment. Uh, But yeah, this is our third message in the Advent series. And uh, it's our tradition here at the Rock Church every year to do one. This is a little bit different, maybe. Uh, We're not spending all of our time in the actual birth stories. You've been hearing them during the readings, which is great. Uh, But we're looking at the whole idea of Jesus saying that I am the light of the world. And so we've been comparing two verses from day one, and they are these. The first is uh, John 8, 12, which is our first verse for today, and we're finally arriving at it, where Jesus said, I am the way of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so we're here today. And the other verses that are in context to that, which are are absolutely amazing. But then, next week, we will look at the other saying of Jesus, which at first, when you hear it, is kind of like, huh? Wait a sec, Jesus, we just heard you say, you are the light of the world. We're good with that. But then he said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, During the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So that's for next week. Be ready. Read with me. I'm going to read the whole passage, verses 12 to 30 this morning, and then I'll pray one more time and we will dive into this text. Verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, me nor my father. If you knew me, if you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? He says, where am I going? You cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus answered to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, 
and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who... And Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Pray with me, would you? Gracious Heavenly Father. <laughs> ah, Father, I was speaking of you in this text today and speaking how you and he were one. Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that you sent your only begotten son to us at the first Christmas to be with us from that day forward until he comes again. And so, Father, we thank you for what you've already begun. We thank you for the work that you've begun in this world through the light of Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing to this day through the light that is in us. Oh, Father, I I pray that you would help us to be strong and to be bold, knowing that that is true and that that is, Lord Jesus, your desire. So, Holy Spirit, I pray today, would you help me, would you help us as we look into this amazing conversation that Jesus has with these men and really, Lord, that he's having with us here today. So I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to you and to what you have to say to us today. And I pray these things in your worthy name, Jesus. Amen. So that's quite the, uh, quite the interaction, right? Well, we're going to get into it a little bit this morning, but as a starting point for this morning, let me try to frame this a little bit for you, um, uh, what I'm hoping to show you anyway. First uh, is a question. When, when you and I hear the words of Jesus declaring, I am the light of the world, I, I don't know about you, but I, I think it's possible that it must just come across to some of us just as some sort of metaphorical statement, right? Uh, some sort of a thing that we can see as a picture or as a metaphor. It's a little bit like, you know, someone talking about a person who you've been at a party last night. I know some of you were and and speaking about an individual and saying, "Oh, that that person's the life of the party." Right? And and so of course they don't mean they're the the flesh and blood of the party per se. They mean specifically that that person, well, maybe that person's just very funny, right? And they're they're quite comical and and very enthusiastic and a really good conversationalist. They they, they talk about everything. They just keep everybody in the party having a really good time. So of course we know that in the case of that situation, the life of the party is metaphorical. And so I think sometimes when we hear the phrase that Jesus is, I am the light of the world, we, we may have the same sort of uh, thought that maybe he's saying or we're thinking he's saying, yeah, no, no, really what I am, I'm just, I'm like a flashlight, right? I'm just going to illuminate your path right? and I'll show you where to go and, 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 and or I'm just going to speak into your heart and I'm going to bring you uh, comfort and joy uh, through the spirit at various times. And so, so I am that kind of light, I hope what we're going to see today, and I hope you already know this, but we might see it better unpacked through the word today, is that Jesus is the light in a much, much broader sense. It it is who he is. God is light. Remember that from our first message? It's who he is. So in fact, what we see from the starting point of Jesus' public ministry is him being light 
from the very, very point that he begins his ministry and shining his light into every light, life, pardon me, into every heart, into every circumstance, and of course, into every conversation that he has, which is interesting. So what I hope you will see today is that every moment of his life, and in particularly every moment of his life of ministry from the age of 30 until he dies on the cross and is risen, is about Jesus modeling for us how to be the light. He's modeling it for us, how you and I are to be the light in this world today. It's why, quite frankly, after he rose from the dead, and he'd finished dealing with sin and the devil, did he not? But it's why he didn't wind everything up at that time. Thankfully, he's given us 2,000 years and you and I time to be born and to come in to the faith and be born again and to be children of God. And so the picture actually of him modeling it begins, we saw it a few weeks ago again in the first uh, chapter of the Gospel of John, where it says in verse 14, and he modeled it for us in this way. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I've often remarked, and I'm going to repeat it again today, that I do love uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in his book called The Message, where he say, said, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I like that because that's kind of bringing it down to our suburban type life, right? And our culture today. And it's what he actually did. And, and that is exactly what Jesus did. And here's how it looks. I mean, first of all, through his incarnation, his birth at the first Christmas, he, the creator God of the universe, as we've already seen, came to be with us, identifying with you and with I in the most unique and personal of ways as a human being, as God in the flesh. But secondly, he dwelt. He, he lived among us. I mean, for the first 30 years of his life, we know from the Gospels and the, the record that we don't have a lot of details about his life, few things. But from the point that he is baptized by John the Baptist and moving forward for three and a half years, we see him modeling that dwelt with us in a major way. He first of all calls men and women to follow him. He eats with people. He's constantly dwelling with people. And that's for starters. And then what we see, and we'll see this again next week, is exactly the way and the heart that we must do that as well. We must incarnate. We must end flesh and be in this world like Jesus did in those days. And so today we see possibly the most significant way in which Jesus is light. Light of the world. And it's simply this. He lives he breathes, he walks, and he talks. He speaks a lot as you read the Gospels. Constantly, he's speaking. If you study the Gospels, you will notice he doesn't actually spend much of his time, and I know these are important things, especially in our day and age, but he doesn't spend an awful lot of time seeking justice in the world. I mean, justice is what he accomplishes on the cross and through his resurrection, or for that matter, acts of mercy. I mean, yes, some come to him and, and need to be healed, and he heals them of their afflictions. Absolutely. 
These things happen. But that said, the one thing you will find is that Jesus spends the majority of his time in seeking to save the lost by seeking to share the light of the gospel through his words. That's what he does all the time. That is him shedding light. So he sought to speak light, which is, which is truth, which he is. Isn't that amazing? He, he sought to speak light, of which he is, and it's truth of which he is. It's so consistent in the word of God, what we see about him and who he is. And so that's what our text today actually displays for us. An ongoing conversation between Jesus and, of course, a few religious leaders, in this case, the Pharisees. They're always there, right? They're always the guys, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees following around, and they got questions, constantly in conversation with these guys. Of course, others are listening, and of course, their, their, their objective is, is they're, they're always following him, and they're trying to set a trap for him to trip him up, to prove that he's not who he's claiming to be, so people will stop adoring him and following him and listening to him. And again, they, they're following him because we've heard it a few times in the Gospels, he speaks with such authority speaks with such authority. Not like our Pharisees and our Sadducees and our scribes. That's what annoyed them. The miracles were like, eh, to them. No, it was what, how he speaks with authority. And so what's really interesting, I want to show you this first today, is what we read last, right? We read in the beginning, the opening statement is, I am the light of the world. And then the ensuing debate ends with verse 30, where it says, and as he was saying these things, many believed in him. I, I got to be honest, every time I've read that text as I was preparing for, you with, for this with you, and I'm reading it again and again, and I'm reading the whole thing, and then I get to that part and I'm going, what? Because it seems until you get to verse 30, nobody's believing. There's just nothing but questions about who he is. But many believed. After the long debate about who Jesus is actually claiming to be in this text, not a single miracle, by the way, we read that many believed in him. Just from, listen, hearing him speak. And of course, it's what he said that they also heard and were cut to the heart. So what they heard was the truth spoken with the authority of Christ. So for some now, time now in John's gospel account, as I've said, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these guys have been following Jesus around, laying traps, questioning him, trying to trick him up, trying to catch him in his words, as we see in today's text. There have been these ongoing conversations and debate. And what's interesting is, again, we fly by these words. I have, it's okay. But I want to highlight this first word in verse 12, right? Where, where John records, and look at the first word in verse 12. Again. <laughs> we see it twice in these verses today. Again. Did I say that word again? Uh, he just doesn't stop preaching and teaching and speaking truth to these people. That's encouraging. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we'll come back to this verse, certainly in conclusion and a few times today. So here we have uh, our first of, as what I've been saying from the first message, two key verses that I've been, I've been pointing forward to each week. We've already in our first two messages discussed this verse to a certain extent. 
uh, and its meaning related to natural and, quite frankly, supernatural light, which is God is light, right? Remember that? Which means Jesus is light, as well as natural darkness that we experience, right? Natural darkness, which is like what we see at night or we're in a room where there is no light and the lights are off and there's no way to see out and it's natural darkness as compared with spiritual darkness, which is what Jesus is referring to here. So we'll come back to this, but let's go through some of the verses now as we get to verse 30 to see how this unpacks. So again, the Pharisees in verse 13 said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. That's pretty bold. So my question for us this morning as I was thinking about this is, have you ever had to defend yourself against someone who was basically accusing you of what you believed on a principle or religious faith-wise, a doctrine or the Bible, uh, and, 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 and questioning you about whether or not it was true? Have you ever had that happen? You've been in a, in a discussion with someone and they're, yeah, I, I don't believe your view of politics or vaccines, oh, Lord forbid, uh, and, and whatever is true, right? And so you find yourself in this debate with someone in this, this thing, and particularly when it comes to issues of Scripture, right? And, and it seems like this, this person you're talking, it, it, you can tell almost from the very beginning that it's very unlikely they've got a very rock-solid position, which is not, in your opinion, the truth or true. And, and it, you can tell from the very beginning there's just no way in the world they're going to move off that position. But... They want to debate with you. They want to get into it with you. And so you, like me, you know, like sucker from time to time, okay, I got the T-shirt. You just, you just engage, right? But, but part of the reasoning is, is because, well, you really believe what you believe is true. So how does that basically go, right, for you? I don't know, but I do. Again, if, if the individual you know is basically set in their way, in other words, unteachable, it, it, it's going to end up, it almost feels like, you know, after a long time, which seems like an eternity, all of a sudden you ever find yourself, you're like right back at the beginning. <laughs> it's, it's like, whoa, this, this is a different form of a circular argument with these individuals. I think if that has been your exp- experience, and it certainly has been mine from time to time, our tendency is, listen, because this is going to be important for next week, to avoid such conversations. And such people. (laughs) That is the tendency. Not with Jesus. I really hope you'll see that today. That's just not the case with Jesus. I don't know. Like, I would have washed my hands of these guys a year ago if I was Jesus. And just said, I just want to go for dinner with, you know, the, the poor the outcast. With, I just want to be with those people. You know, they love me, and they know that I love them. But no, he engages on a constant basis. For three plus years, Jesus walked from place to place proclaiming the kingdom of God to whoever would listen to him. And interestingly enough, oftentimes it was people who really disagreed with him. His attitude was he wanted to shine his light into their dark hearts. That was his motivation. Verse 12, again, if you look at it, our key for today is interesting that Jesus doesn't mention the light again 
after verse 12. He does say, however, the first two words in his words several times. The words are, I am. This is really important in this text today. Jesus says these two words repeatedly, and I counted them at least in the ESV. Eleven times these two words are together in the text. I am, right? However, two of those instances are very interesting. And we can fly by it again, and we're going to highlight them on screen in just a second. But I just want you to, before I read them, understand that there's a word added in our English translations that is not in the original Greek. And, and it's very important for us to understand the listeners in that day who were hearing Jesus speak and that was translated probably from Aramaic into Greek didn't hear this word either. Verse 24 says, Jesus saying, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And then in verse 28, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. And so you'll notice that in the text that I've had on screen, the word he is in parenthesis. It's because it's not in the the original language. And and so these Jewish men, although it records there that they didn't know he was talking about the Father, of course, that was probably their explanation. But the reality is through the whole explanation, they would have heard him saying, I am, I am, I am. And particularly in these two instances where in our translation, the word he has been added, they would have been, wait a second. We know what you're doing here. When Moses asked God, hey, who should I tell the people I'm talking to? What's your name? Remember what he said? Of course you do. He said, tell them I am that I am. So quite clearly, what we see here is as this conversation goes on with Jesus, bringing light, the truth to the interaction with these men, which leads to many believing and being saved, is that these men can see what he's doing. He's claiming to be one with the Father. He's claiming to be God in the flesh. And now we listen to Jesus' response to the charge that his testimony is not true. Verse 14, Jesus answered and said, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. There's no backing down here. There's no discussion about, well, maybe you didn't, you know. Well, actually, he will get into that a little bit with them and try to explain it more deeply to them. And so we see in these verses, and he goes on, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. The emphasis here is on truth, isn't it? What's, what's on debate here is truth. It always is with Jesus because he is the truth the way, and the life. He's claiming to be, I am. And so that's what's on display here. And so they catch Jesus. They think they catch Jesus in a contradiction, right? Because they've been following him now for months, maybe a year and a half, and they've been listening to what he says. They're good listeners. They They don't follow what they hear, but they're good listeners, right? And so they feel they've caught him in a contradiction of his very own words, which is great. If you're in a debate, if you can catch your opponent 
in something they say that is obviously a contradiction, go for it, right? And that's what they do here. In John 5.31, they heard Jesus say this, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true, right? So at this point, they're like, <coughs> yeah, yeah, arrest my case. Gotcha, Jesus. We got you. Your testimony's not true. You, you've even said it yourself. And so they feel they've, they've, they've won this debate. What, what I find comical here, I, I, I like to find humor in some of these very serious conversations, is the fact that they're standing right in front of the literal truth, right? The physical, literal truth. The, the, the people, the, the lowly people who were not the highfalutin men with the big hats who had their MDivs and all the rest of it, they believed his authority, these men. So now if these guys knew the truth, then Jesus would have been defeated right away here, right? I mean, right in front of the people, if, if, if they were right, that was, it was over. There's no way that verse 30 would happen. There's no way that that would happen. He would have been defeated. No one would have believed in him and would end. But the truth is standing, as I said, right in front of them. And then Jesus essentially says to them in this text, guys, you missed something. You missed something. My testimony is true, by the way. I state that emphatically. But you missed a very important word. I said, alone. If I alone... So he begins his defense quite masterfully. He basically says to them, listen, here's your problem. I know who I am. Okay. I know who I am because I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you neither know where I come from or where I'm going. And, and it's, it's, it's a little bit like he's setting them up, but I know he loves them and he's kind, but it's a little bit like it's a setup in this debate. Everything we read from this point on is highlighting the fact that Jesus is the light of the world because of one thing, because of his relationship with his Father. At least seven times in this passage, Jesus points to the fact that he is from the Father and everything that he is saying is on the authority of the Father. He never takes credit for any of these things. He always talks about going to the Father and does nothing of his own. Jesus is the light of the world because he comes from the Father is what he declares. And he speaks for the Father. He's going to the Father and he is one with the Father. So this is his counter and the key to what he really had in mind, his goal in which of this I hope we will see. In verses 15 and 16, he goes on, and, 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 and he's, he's, again, he, he's, he's, this is not a setup. He's trying, he's trying to reach them. Please hear these words. Guys, you judge according to the flesh. Well, what's that? Well, that's human wisdom. I judge no one. That's true. Yet even if I do judge, and he will, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. So for the rest of this conversation, he builds on his relationship with his Father, the, the oneness that they have in this relationship. And in contrast to those who question them, those who will not believe, and of course the many who do, 
That's the contrast that he's setting up for us, for you and I here to hear today. It's this contrast between those who will not believe. No matter how many times you go to them and say, well, look, it's what the word says. Like, I'm not making this up. Just read it with me. Do you hear what the word says? Yeah, but... Right? This is a beautiful part. He says, if I do judge, even my judgments are true because... The Father judges with me. He's not alone in his judgments is what he's saying. And, and by the way, neither are you. <laughs> I wanted to save this for next week, but it just came out. Right? Neither are you. You're not, we're not judging people, but we're, we're, we're pointing people to the truth of God's word. So we're not doing it on our own, in our own judgment, our own thinking. We're going, well, hold on a second. I'm just agreeing with God's word. So, so why won't you agree with God's word? That's an important premise to understand. So because their judgments on everything with him and the Father are always true, this is why Jesus says this. So an important thing to note here is that this is not just related to simply judging people, right? Jesus did not come in his incarnation or in his earthly life to do that at that time. He came to judge sin, but he will. He will one day. And that he makes really, really clear. But what Jesus is getting at here is that the Father and he judge on everything else and are the judge on everything else, on any and all issues when there is a question or a debate about what is true. I like to say this no matter what you're talking about. Again, I won't mention what's going on in our culture, all these things today related to the pandemic or cultural events or cultural worldviews and all the rest of it. But listen, the truth is out there. The absolute truth is out there. Some of us are right. Some of us are wrong. Some don't even know which way to go. But the scripture can show us that. The light of the world can show us that. And so that is the whole point. So Jesus finishes on this point that even in their law, in the scripture that I've read, and we won't look at it again, but that they esteem themselves to be expert, experts in, Jesus reminds them that the testimony of two people is true. So he reminds them of that, sealing his point that I and the Father testify to this, so I'm not testifying and saying these things are true on my own. The Father agrees with me because we are one. I bear witness to myself. My Father who sent me bears witness, witness about me too. There, done, I rest my case. But therefore, they said to him in verse 19, "Um, where is your father? (laughs) Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, guys, you would know my father. So it sounds like they might be a little bit confused. But don't be fooled. They're not confused. Jesus knows they're not confused. He can see see through to their hearts. The words he's going to say that I will quote again in a few minutes make that point very, very clear. But there's a beautiful picture that we see from Jesus here. When Jesus replies with the words we read here, he's essentially saying to them, the answer to your question of where the Father is is you know you know, guys, come on, you know I'm talking about truth. And what I'm saying is true. You, you have proven 
you don't know him because you're denying me. At one point, he even says to them, listen, if you, don't, if you don't believe what I'm saying, would you just believe the miracles? Like, they're pretty amazing. They do testify, by the way, to who he is. His next words are actually, I've written it in my notes, I'm just going to say the word, quite damning. He says in verse 21, so he said to them again, there it is, I am going away and you will seek me and look at this, you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So again, I highlighted the word again, simply to point out that for Jesus, this is not, this is not, listen, it's not purely a debate. Again, like, Jesus, man, you you can see what's going on here, right? They're not going to believe you, Lord Jesus. Like, why do you continue at this? Like, you know their heart. It demonstrates his love. Even for them. Even for you, Pharisee. For me, Pharisee. Because we can all be that way from time to time. Amen? Got the t-shirt? Underneath there somewhere? Okay. He displays his love for everyone, including these Pharisees, and he will keep preaching truth to them because he does not want what he's just said to come true for them. That's why he was willing to do this, which is also why you and I should never give up on anyone. Never. So he phrases it in the negative, of course, in an attempt to get their attention that they will, so that they will. So so Jesus, listen, he's not condemning them here when he says that. They cannot come to where he's going. He, He, the logic, right, the logos, the word of God, is painting a picture of what the the stubborn, unbelieving men and whose hearts is, where it's going to lead to them. He's painting a picture for like he couldn't make it any clearer. Guys, if you you remain in your sin, here's what's going to happen. Eternal death and separation from my Father and from me. So friends, this is why Jesus came at Christmas. This is why. The birth story is amazing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's, it's something to, to celebrate. It's so wonderful. But this also is the reason. John next records that some of them thought that Jesus was actually suggesting that he might commit suicide. I mean, they're, they're trying to fumble around and talking with each other. Is he saying he's going to kill himself? Is that what he's saying? Like, he, we cannot come where he's going, he's, but he's going somewhere. So he, is that what he's saying? But the reality is, remember again, they've entered into this discussion with him with a purpose in mind, and that purpose was to discredit him. So that the people who are following him and feigning for him, really, and and believing in him, would not but would trust them. So that's their hearts. But Jesus, listen, now he repeats what he said one more time with a little bit more clarity in the hope that they will see the light, pun intended. Verse 24 and 25, Jesus says this, I told you, I'm telling you, 
that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am, this is what they heard, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. Can you, can you sense any exacerbation in his voice, in his spirit? I, I, I actually sense heartbreak. And so I just want to encourage you, the next time you're in that kind of circular discussion with someone, don't feel frustrated with them. Don't feel angry with them. Be heartbroken for them. I'm preaching to myself here. So there it is, the classic circular argument. argument. We're back at the beginning. Jesus has been making it abundantly clear who he is and what the consequences of their unbelief is. And the best they've got is, who are you again? Could you tell us just one more time? You know what that is, by the way, in a debate? That's stalling. (laughs) That's just like, okay, we we can listen to so that maybe we can question one more time, did God really say? When, when, when these kind of things happen in a debate, you've got to realize, especially when it comes to the debate about God's word and faith, you've got to realize what kind of a situation you're in. Be heartbroken. Preach the word. Stick with the word. That's what Jesus does. I've been thinking of all kinds of examples. I've got to tell you, I don't know how many times in my life before becoming a pastor, I've been in circumstances like that, and I haven't handled it very well sometimes. Be really honest. As a pastor, I haven't handled it very well from time to time. But you do find, especially when you're in ministry, and listen, by the way, we're all in ministry. Hello? Hello? Full-time? When it comes to God's Word and, and debating with people about God's Word, it can be really frustrating. But don't give up. Follow the model of light, who is Jesus Christ. What we see in Jesus is he's so patient with us, isn't he? He's so patient with them. He certainly was with these men. And before this interaction ends, he tries one last time, look at this, one last time to get their attention and lead them to salvation. That's his goal. In verses 28 and 29, he says, when you have lifted up, so look, gentlemen, In the very near future, remember this, if you don't die in your sins before then. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not, look at this, left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So they're going to have one more opportunity, Jesus says, to know the truth. And it's going to be when they scream out, crucify him, crucify him, and that actually happens. And how are they going to know? Well, are they going to know because done with him? Or are they going to know because they're worried about that he said he's going to rise from the dead and they they appoint guards 
to, to guard the tomb, but then all of a sudden he has risen from the dead and there's thousands of witnesses to that fact? Maybe. I think what Jesus was getting at, possibly, was they were standing around the cross, right, when he was dying? And they heard Jesus cry out, My God, my God, why hath thou forsaken me? But you know what? As he said here, my God did not leave me alone. He did not leave me alone. But then he also, they also probably heard Jesus say, my God, my God, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So friends, what we've seen and heard here today is just one example One example of how Jesus the light lives. He speaks truth all the time to those who are lost and dead in their sins. That's why he came at Christmas. To proclaim the kingdom of God, to speak truth so that people would believe in him. It's why he died on the cross, why he rose from the dead, why he sent you and I and the Holy, why he spent, pardon me, to you and I, the Holy Spirit to live in us so that the light of Jesus Christ himself could live in us. That's why he came at Christmas. And that will lead to our conclusion next week, the reason why Jesus then said, you are the light of the world. I can't wait to look at that with you next Sunday. So on this one day in history, Jesus gives us a very clear picture of the gospel, doesn't he? He said to the Pharisees again in verse 21, listen, I'm going away. You will seek me and you will die in, my, in your sin." Where I am going, you cannot come. That should provoke a person to go, what? Why can't I? I want to. And then he said in verse 20, I I told you that you would die in your sins. For listen, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So he appeals and he appeals and he appeals this last time. Second last, actually. To them. He makes it abundantly clear that they have a choice. It's the same choice that we have all had or that you have today. And that the people listening and watching this conversation had. And so a key lesson for us today has to be, and we'll look at this whole text a little bit more next week, what Paul said in Romans 10, 17, isn't it? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Someone needs to go and proclaim the light. And that's why we reach verse 30 that says, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Salvation came on that day because Jesus proclaimed the truth, shone his light into the darkness that existed there. So then, believer, that takes us back to this promise that I want to leave you with today, the promise that Jesus began with that he wants you and I to take every day when he said, I am the light of the world. I am your light. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So as John 1 reminds us, receiving and trusting that Jesus is the I am means that, listen, you have him. You don't just have a faith. You don't just have a worldview. You don't just have a a, a walk. 
You have him. You have him personally. We have the light of the world with us and in us. If we trust him and, and listen, die to ourselves by fully following him, he will give us all the light we need in every circumstance, right? In every situation, and listen, in every questioning of him and his word, in in every heart that you love and you want to proclaim the truth to and you want to come to the light of Christ and find salvation, he will bring that to you. His light will make every gray and dark day bright again. And we've seen a few of those, but he, it will. His light of the world, it, the, listen, the, when, when it says in the scripture, when he says, I am the light of the world, we talked about this in community group, I think it was last week. The, the reality is, listen, everyone in this world out there today wants the light. But they're looking for it in all the wrong places. They desperately want it. Why? Because they know they don't have it. He is the light. He is the light. And he's left us here to be the light so that others may find the light and walk in that light. Pray with me, would you?